0: Hello, you guys. Welcome to the Be Back Link Podcast. We have a story coming to you today from Maryland. We have a mama. She is, um, her name is Lindsay, and she married her high school sweetheart, which Mm. I think is so fun. (laughs) That's so fun. Uh, They they have two two boys, right? Yes. Um, But pretty fresh postpartum, three months. Pretty fresh. Yes. Which is really cool. Um, husband's a stay at home dad, and you are an active duty Air Force and work as a mm-hmm. dentist. As a dentist. Yeah. Our house. You are a <laughs> oh, thank that you. That is awesome. And so you're doing some residency, and you've lived all over the country and seen so many things, and you've had a back. Yeah. So I'm so Yes, I can't wait <laughs> to get into this story. Um, and you guys, one of the things that we're also going to be talking about today is something that I actually don't know if we've ever talked about on the podcast, but it is something that I feel like I saw in my husband. And when I was going to be back for the first time, like my second mm-hmm. birth, I saw kind of what happened and, and kind of shut out. And so we want to talk about paternal postpartum anxiety a little bit today because, it, you know, it's something that, we don't focus on highly. We are focused on the mom giving birth and the experience that they have had. But it's so important not to forget about our significant others or our birth partners or anybody there that was in the space and witnessed birth. And so I'm excited to be talking in just a minute with Lindsay about paternal postpartum. So if you have a significant other that may you know, have had a traumatic experience, definitely listen up. It's going to be great. And then also sometimes I think just hearing these stories and hearing maybe some of the, the characteristics and things that were happening, it might help you know, like I didn't know until he had said things when I was preparing for my vaginal birth after two cesareans, so he was saying things and I was like, okay, you are not okay completely. Um, Mm -hmm. That triggered you and let's talk about it. You know, so I'm really, really excited. Of course, though, we have a review of the week and this is a long one. And Julie used to always, I would always (laughs) make Julie read the long reviews (laughs) because I swear I can't read, like I can't read and hear myself at the same time. I, I just get mixed up. So we'll see. How this goes? Um, this is this. from L I K A P eight. It's L I K A P eight. So thank you. It says I did it. I have my feedback. It says hello, ladies. I was waiting to write this review since I was pregnant and tell you thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I knew I was going to achieve a VBAC thanks to the knowledge you provide. When I was 12 weeks pregnant, my doula team recommended it to me, and I immediately felt really empowered by listening to every single story. I finally had something real from real women telling me the VBACs are possible. That I just needed to educate myself and do everything in my hands to make it happen, and that's what I did. I hired a doula team. I went to the chiropractor. I did spinning babies. I follow duels on Instagram that tell you what exercise you must do to prepare for labor. I did hypnobirthing. I submerged myself in everything about natural birth, and I trained my body and my mind for this big day. I had my VBAC on March 15th, 2022, which is almost a year ago. Actually, when this comes out it will be over a year ago. <laughs> yeah, it says um and it was the most in, most healing experience. I did it thanks to you all and people like you to help women like me have our dream birth. Wow. That was incredible. Um mm. such an amazing review. Thank you so much. We're always we're always smiling when we see these reviews come in on apple podcasts or google or sometimes like i said and i've said in the past like we'll just get an email and say hey i just wanted to quickly write a review so if you have a review for us please shoot it over we would love to read it on the next podcast
1: you are tuned into the Vbacklink link podcast with megan heaton who is a longtime doula and vback mom herself here to help you get inspired for birth after having had a c-section Along with this podcast, the VBAC link offers blogs, resources, and a comprehensive VBAC course for both parents preparing for birth and doulas wanting to take their VBAC education to the next level. Be sure to follow Megan and her team on all social media platforms for even more. Although these podcast episodes are VBAC specific, it is encouraged for all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a C-section from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here is your host, Megan.
0: Hello, women of strength. This is Megan. I am so happy you're listening to the podcast. When I was preparing for my vaginal birth after two cesareans, it was hard to find the evidence-based information in one spot, and it could leave me feeling lonely or even confused. This is why Julie and I created the V-Back link podcast. And did you know we also send out emails with helpful tips and advice on how to achieve your VBAC? All easily digestible in one email form. Just head over to the vbacklink.com. That is T-H-E-V-B-A-C-L-I-N-K dot com. And sign up to start receiving your VBAC tips and info today. Okay, Lindsay. Are you ready?
2: I'm ready. I'm I am excited. I'm so ready. <laughs>
0: thank you so much. Oh, thank I I just would love to turn the time over to you and and share all your wealth of knowledge and your experience that you know these listeners are definitely gonna benefit from.
2: Thank you so much for having me. This is a moment that I daydreamed about so many times when I was walking with my son. Well, when I was pregnant with him yeah. and when I uh, drove at one point I was driving to a provider in um, Virginia and I listened to it on the drive and it's like maybe one day I could be on the show. Oh my gosh it's a dream. Yeah so I am so thankful and just hope I can return the favor to the community because like your review said you all have been such a gift in my life. So mm. if I can give anything back, I hope that it helps people. Our story helps people. Um, awesome. So, yeah. So I first learned about your uh, the VBack link actually right after I had my cesarean. It's like a week after I had my cesarean, I searched hashtag VBAC on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you guys popped up. I started following it and kind of tucked it in the back of my mind because I knew that i wanted to tr- i had heard about a VBAC, and i knew i wanted to try for that and i didn't start listening to the podcast until i was 24 weeks pregnant my family and i had just done another military move we moved from kansas to maryland and i was pretty overwhelmed from starting over All again
0: stuff. yeah
2: yeah Are you the moves have been pretty good but when you start adding kids to the mix it makes it a little little harder mm-hmm. <laughs> um and I felt like I didn't have a community and um, I was starting this intense training program and feeling kind of lonely. And I felt like I didn't have time or mental capacity to learn everything I should learn to have a good feedback. And so the podcast was such a gift because it packaged it into a you know a reasonable amount of time that I could do when I was multitasking and then provide evidence based information and hear a powerful story and it was it was just everything that I needed so I'm I learned so much from you all and I'm so thankful but I my cesarean story to so start out I wanted an unmedicated birth with my first son we hired a doula we found the only midwife in the town that we were living in in Kansas Who had covered our military insurance. Our the base that I was at didn't have OB care. So we got kind of an automatic referral. And then I kept a really active pregnancy. Was I even did cardio kickboxing up until the day before my water broke. That's awesome. I was like, yeah, I got this. But a couple of things looking back on my pregnancy, I had I did have a brand new midwife. I was actually, she said I would probably be the first birth that she attended. Ooh. Which is fine. You know, you yeah. got to start somewhere, right? right? You gotta like, start somewhere. Got
0: to start somewhere.
2: Yes. Yeah. But she, she was in the way that it worked in the city that I was living in, Kansas, that she was not on her own. She was actually part of an OB practice. She couldn't be on her own. So she, that practice, I found out later, had the highest cesarean rate in town. Didn't oh, know that at yeah. the time. Yeah. Um. But I was, she also gave me the recommendation to start using primrose oil vaginally at 38 weeks. And I didn't know that that was an induction method. I found that out on your podcast. She said it would prevent tearing. So I was like, Oh, you know, I found that out. 10 of things I found out later things I didn't ask about, didn't know to ask about, but my water started leaking around 40 weeks or not around, but 40 weeks was one day I woke up at 3am. It was just a trickle and mild contractions, went back to bed And called the midwife on call at 6 a.m. She's like, well, you have an appointment today at 8, so you can wait for that. And so um, at 8, she checked and my waters had ruptured and she left the room to talk to the OB. And then when she came back, she's like, you know, let's have you eat some breakfast and then come uh, start Pitocin. The hospital had a birthing center across the street from the hospital, mm-hmm. so you weren't like actually at the hospital, mm-hmm. but they were prepared if you know something went south, you could have you know cesarean yeah. there too, but not really meant for it. Mm-hmm. Um. So then she, uh, I arrived to the birthing center and then, or well, birthing suite, and th- they didn't have a cordless monitor, so they put me on a court, uh a monitor that was, had the cord. And I was really, I remember being really disappointed because I was like, I want to walk around, but it was really limited with that. They started Pitocin and really an hour later is I was having a hard time handling them. The contractions were really hard and really fast. And, um, we called my doula and she came and I remember my midwife saying, don't scream. And I was like, okay, well, I don't know what to do. I'm trying not to scream. I labored with Pitocin for seven hours and got to six. And my midwife then had me stop Pitocin and labor on my own for three hours. And I remember Mm. sitting in the bath and not wanting to get out. I was like, I don't want to get out of this bath. And um, I wasn't really feeling any contractions at this time. I did have the labor shakes. And I remember asking why and no one really answered me why I was having the shakes. Um, I found out on your show later, one episode, and I was like, "Oh, that's normal."
0: I didn't know. Uh, yeah, normal. it's normal. And so, was the water <laughs> helping you contraction wise? Like, no. like I wasn't really feeling them, or did it just stop?
2: And unfortunately, she checked me, and I was still at the six three hours later.
0: Okay, so when they turned um, the pitocin off, your body wasn't quite in that like active phase by on its own. Exactly.
1: Okay. Yeah. That's so she's. Like, hmm.
2: yeah I know um so she wanted to put me back on Pitocin and I said well if you're gonna do that you gotta give me an epidural because I just calm my body just calmed down from not having it for three hours yeah um so the epidural worked so well as numb like all the way up my chest Wow. Um, I know and I remember asking can we turn this down and I don't they never turn it down because it never felt Than that, Um, and then seven or eight hours later was when I made it to a ten, and I had got some rest. And I, they said, okay, time to push. And I again, I couldn't feel anything. They showed me how to do it. I, they said, you're doing it. And after two hours of pushing, my midwife went and manually tried to turn my son because she said he was in a weird position. When she did, his heart rate decelled. So they laid me on my side. Well, she had she's told my husband like, "Go pull the cord." He pulled the cord. Eight people fled in the room and,
0: everybody come in. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: And then I I I heard turn her on her side and I was like, "Oh." So I turned myself on my side. Mm-hmm. And my midwife apologized, actually, to me after the birth. She's like, I didn't mean for you to turn you on your side. But I was just like, I don't know if it's because I'm in the military. I heard something. I was like, okay, I got to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but we laughed. That was something to laugh about. Yes. Um, but then after another hour of pushing, so three hours total, she has the hospitalist who is working to come in And the hospitalist did a pelvic evaluation and determined she couldn't get a forceps around my son. He was asynclitic. And at that point, she said that she recommended a cesarean. And so, you know, it was, uh, I learned that it's an unplanned cesarean, not an emergency cesarean. But still, Mm -hmm. it felt, it felt emergent and it felt, it felt unplanned. (laughs) It felt very unplanned. Yeah.
0: Which a lot of those, and that, that's kind of one of the hardest things for me, like as a as a doula, a, as a mom that's had them, you know, to decipher as like emergent, because they they treat it as it's an emergency and we're mm-hmm. feeling it. We're feeling that. Yes, feeling. you
2: definitely feel it.
0: And so we think that we have these emergent situations and I'm not saying we, there aren't, there are definite emergent situ- situations. Right. But sometimes we label them as emergencies and they're like not, but the way that everybody's making scene, Feel. it feels that way. Yes. Yeah. And the
2: tension was definitely in the room at that, at that, I mean, even when I was,
0: was in he labor doing and okay? I know he had the D-cells a little bit, but was he doing okay now or was oh, he staying? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah.
2: He was so, he was stable at that point when they brought me okay. back, which was good. So he had had the yeah. D-cells. Um yeah. And then I consented, and thirty minutes later, I heard I saw they pulled my son out. he was crying, and you know, I cried and felt that instant love that you feel for your baby like you do anything for them. Mm-hmm. and it was really special. but I definitely I felt really excited and then also really robbed of the birth that I wanted yeah. at the same time. So it's kind of weird to feel both things at once. but. But so that's okay. That's okay. It is okay. And what was encouraging, though, is I was like, "Man, I labored for nothing." You know, it was twenty something hours of labor, and but all those hormones. The midwife did say, "You know, all the hormones that you had release uh, are really good for the baby too." And so it, I was like, "Okay, well, <laughs> yeah, it, was, it felt like work for something
0: though."
2: Yeah. Um. So then, about four or five hours after son was born, um, we kind of had some they left us alone for a little bit. I mean, they still came and checked on us, but, uh, my husband was paid. I woke up and my husband was pacing the room and I asked him, I said, what's going on? And he said that he was, he, he was shaking and I could see that he was shaking and his heart rate was racing and he was really emotional. And I told him, I was like, I think you're having a panic attack. And he has, you know, we've married for 10 years before, almost 10 years before we had kids. And then he, uh, we were together for five years before that so we've been together a long time yeah. and I'd never yeah. seen him go through anything like that before and yeah. I was like oh my gosh like just come and I had him lay in the hospital bed with me until he stopped shaking and um he then yeah so that kind of was our experience at the hospital and then we got home and um we I remember we ordered pizza and he like couldn't couldn't eat at home after the hospital i should say and um he couldn't eat anything for a few days after we were home mm-hmm. like barely was eating anything couldn't be in the same room with our son when he was crying he f- felt like another panic attack would come on and and mm-hmm. then like couldn't be in the room when we were sleeping at night and i remember feeling so concerned like that he would never be the same again we would never want any more children and yeah. um And he is my best friend, so it was like, oh my gosh, who who do I talk to about this?
0: Yeah.
2: (laughs) uh, What do we do? And we actually ended up, uh, he talked to one of the pastors at our church and was kind of worked through that. And we're like, okay, you know, it's just hard. This is a hard moment, and we're working through Mm -hmm. it. And um, evenings were the worst at the time. And when the sun started to go down, that's when we would try to connect together and, And talk about what he was feeling and going through and we'd pray and we'd watch Gilmore Girls, which was our favorite show. And it seemed like things were slowly getting better. But then like five months later, my husband was watching our son and he, uh, I had already gone back to work after 12 weeks. And then he's also watching our friend's baby, who was a little bit younger than our son. And the baby started crying and he had a panic attack.
1: Mm -hmm. And
2: he called me and I was working uh, across the street, our base was across the street from where friends lived. And thankfully that day, a skunk had gotten into the ventilation system Uh, at work.
0: Oh, oh,
2: gross. (laughs) And uh, we were all being evacuated at that moment. They called it a natural disaster. It was like,
0: Oh my God, that's was, a natural disaster. That is. <laughs> it's
2: like $80,000 worth of work to fix it. Oh and the idea is nuts. God. But I was literally leaving my desk at that moment to go home. And I said, I'll be right there. And so it was there and um, was, he had him go kind of walk and walk out, walk it off. And um, then we had heard like of a, a therapy, uh, group in town and got from a friend and got the refer, um, the information. And he started therapy pretty soon after, I think it was like within that week and ended up going for the rest of the time we were in Kansas, which was, oh gosh, I guess like a year and a half that he went and, um, made a huge difference, huge, huge difference. And I mean, in the end, like really thankful for, for that. And,
0: did did he feel that that the birth itself was what brought everything on, or was that yeah. a trick or, you know like great, great,
2: great question? So that's what we're thinking is that it was the kind of all of the heightened emotions mm-hmm. from me being in labor and that not going well. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden we're in cesarean and the, mm-hmm. the pulling of the cord, that is something that really stood out in his mind that like, oh my gosh, like this is a serious thing. Just yeah. that fight or, fight or flight reflex being on for that whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And he so was that,
0: the one that pulled the cord, right? He was the one he that was the cord. Exactly. When you think about it, when someone tells you to go pull a cord, when mm-hmm. you know that's an emergency, really scary. Someone could be dying. Cord, right? Can you imagine where his mind went?
2: Exactly, exactly. Yeah. And then yeah. see, he he brings a story when they brought me in for the cesarean. They had me on the. I don't really remember because I had they given me you know other
0: medicine
2: medicine at that point. Mm-hmm. But uh I, he said, I was on the table naked and no curtains were up and um they were rubbing like iodine on me or something and he's like oh my gosh are they not gonna put a curtain up I just got to see this my wife being sliced open and had me my arms tied down and so like it was scary yeah and um something he Mm -hmm. never he's not medical person at all you know I'm a dentist and he's like doesn't do the blood thing he said no and that's not for me and so you know after like I'm going to kind of bounce forth between what he went through and then kind of yeah. jump back into the story too. So I had a whole lot of questions after my cesarean, mainly how did I go from wanting unmedicated birth to having a cesarean? And um, I remember asking my midwife at my six week postpartum because I had done some re- reading on evidence-based birth, the website of mm-hmm. um, you can wait after prom so many hours before you start Pitocin and, I asked her. I said, "Why? You know, why did we start so quickly?" It was like six hours after I had prom, we started Pitocin, and she said she said in a hushed voice, "No one was in the room with us," but she kept her voice really low. She said, "Oh, it was OBs that I'm working under," and I was like, "Oh, okay." Hmm. I don't know. I hope I was disappointed that I had a cesarean, but yeah. um, but it in this state of weakness it really taught me to rely on on faith and it also set me on a path to really deep dive into the world of birth education. I'm no expert by any means but I learned so much compared to (laughs) where I was at the first time. So flashing forward to January 2022, we're celebrating my son's first birthday and I found out I was pregnant. And I was nervous and excited. We were going to be getting orders from Kansas to Maryland. And so we'll flash forward to Maryland. We moved when I was 24 weeks pregnant. And my doula, um, Lauren, she came as a recommendation from a friend in the area who lives um, in Virginia. And she suggested, and Lauren, the doula suggested a practice that was VBAC friendly. Mm -hmm. Um, At this point, I... I am working at a military installation so I they expected me to give birth there but uh long story short I was able to get a referral which is if anyone's active duty listening to this I know cuz hang in there it's hard sometimes to get a referral but uh I was able to get one thankfully and the practice in Virginia was an hour away so I would drive to the appointments and wow. um yeah so the the part, they were nice, but I didn't see anyone consistently and I did move later on in my pregnancy, so it was hard to like see a repeat person cuz there are so many people that work there. Yeah. I did have one exp- one experience before I decided to ultimately change to a, a home birth, but um I, when I was 30 weeks pregnant, I was feeling menstrual like cramps and um it really concerned me because I know that could be a sign of labor contractions and they didn't go away. So I called, it was a Saturday, called the OB on call and they, she said, well, why don't you go ahead and come to the hospital? I'm working here. We'll put you on some monitors and check. And so I drove and I remember driving by myself and again, feeling like really lonely because I was driving by myself. My husband was with our son. It was late in the evening. His bedtime would have been soon. And I called my doula and she offered to come with me because she's awesome. Mm -hmm. And but I was like, no, it's okay. I'll just call and check on you, you know, check up. And when I got to the hospital, they, I got checked in and I, I don't know, I was crying and the nurse was like, oh my gosh, I, mm-hmm. you know what's going on? And she was really sweet. But the OB popped her head in, kind of looked at, looked and she said, oh, you're still being processed. Or I don't know what she said. She's like, just said something quickly and yeah. walked away. And then I never saw her again. I, she had the midwife come in and talk to me and the midwife said everything looks good you know you're not no contractions it's just you're probably dehydrated let's get you some fluids and she asked to do a cervical check did a cervical check i was at a one but she said that most women that have either given vaginal birth or have dilated to 10 walk around at a one at any time i was like okay um and or then or she, more
0: one or more yeah
2: sure i'm sure so she walked away and she went to talk to the ob and came back and she said okay so Obi would like you to start some steroids for the baby in case you go into labor and i was like wait you just said that i'm fine in
0: labor yeah
2: right and so i felt really conflicted i wanted the best for my child but then i was also confused because i was didn't have any other signs of being in labor and there was a woman who was just you know the triage room so they're just curtains and i heard a woman who was Mm -hmm. the same gestational age as me and her she was at a five and in labor and so they were like okay we're gonna do this intervention this intervention and i thought in my mind i'm like that makes sense this woman's in labor i am not and i felt really disappointed that the ob didn't come and look me in the eye or like talk to me put her hand on my shoulder find out that hey you just moved to a new area, you're stressed out. You're this Mm -hmm. could stress could make this happen and which I found out later. And so I ultimately ended up declining and had a very healthy pregnancy. No others. It was just kind of that one time that I had that happen for about a week and everything was okay. He actually came a week. Past my duty or eight days past my duty, so no worries about being early. Being early, Um, yeah. But as a you know, and that's something, and I'll touch on this later too. Like as a provider, it's so important to connect with your patient and to you know, in my specialty that I'm getting into, is uh, we talk about listen to your patients. They'll they'll tell you what's going on, Mm -hmm. and it's not you know that we have to stand over them and make a a clinical decision it's like look at them hear what they have to say they will tell you what the problem is even if they don't know what it like they their story will tell you
1: um
2: so so important that you know that they do that so find a provider that's willing to listen. So then at 35 weeks, I was actually listening to an episode of the Back link on my lunch break. And I text my doula and I said, you know, if I have a third child while we're living here, I really think I'll do a home birth. And she said to me, she said, it's never too late. I wrote it down to follow your gut and find the perfect birth team. And I was like, oh, that's nice to say that, but that is way too stressful to try to figure out a home birth at 35 weeks pregnant, um, get a new referral from the military. And I said, you know, I'll look into it, but it seemed really overwhelming. And she was really encouraging. daunting. Very
0: daunting.
2: Um, and she said she'd support me either way, but she did send me a name of a few midwives in the area. I call, I ended up calling three and one had openings around my due date. And I felt really connected to her right away. And she put my mind at ease. And um, she'd worked with a lot of military families, so she knew about my insurance. And she actually has delivered over 2,000 babies at this point. So, wow. ton of experience, which was really nice. Just Kind of the have.
0: opposite end of things. The opposite end time. of
2: things, yeah. And uh, so... We we told her we'd get back to her, and I went home and presented to to Zach because yeah, I did all this in one day. <laughs> like I just ended yeah. up having an extended lunch break, and uh, called, and went back to my residency, and then called the board, and, and I told him my husband about it, and he was like, "What?" And yeah. at that time, we were doing a uh class, uh birth education class with our doula and so we were watching some of the videos that she sent us and then we watched a video of the hospital room and he couldn't finish the video of the hospital room and I was like babe if you can't finish the video of the hospital room how do you think it's gonna go if we get in there so he we thought about it that day and prayed about it and the next morning he's like yeah let's do it and I was like okay I now I need to think a little bit more so I took the rest of the week to think about it and we ultimately decided to do it and I remember my first prenatal appointment with her, you know, it was a few days after that and she spent over an hour with me and wow. I kept looking at the time and I was like, she's got to go. Like she's got other patients and I felt guilty. It was weird. I felt this guilt of I'm taking, taking too, too much time. time to <laughs> and, um, and then I could tell by her demeanor though, she was in no rush to leave at all and even how she walked out the door she was just like okay oh, yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so we, that being said like her appointments were kind of a time range like I'll be there around two. sometimes it was later sometimes it was a little earlier so we had flexibility with our prenatal yeah. appointments that were the rest of, they were all at our home um but awesome that,
0: yeah it
2: was so nice and uh so my HBAC story at 8 p.m., I had a few painful contractions the night before my son was born, and I text my Mid, my doula and she's uh, recommended doing the miles circuit, mm-hmm. and um, then I uh, text and I text my midwife, and she recommended I have a glass of wine or some Benadryl mm-hmm. and go to sleep. And I I didn't because at the time I was like, well, alcohol interrupts your sleep cycle. I don't know, maybe I shouldn't, but I should have probably done some Benadryl or something because she, after I gave birth, I was talking to her about it, and she said because I had these kind of like irregular. Maybe someone will connect with this, but I had these ir- irregular contractions all night and I was so tired. And um, she said that having some Benadryl probably would help you sleep and stop the irregular contractions. I'm like, okay, next time if that happens, I'll take the Benadryl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I go into the shower an hour later and that really helped to labor in the shower. Just the hot water hitting your back. I was on my hands and knees and I really wanted to let my husband sleep because. You know, in the back of my mind I was thinking of what happened our first time and and I just didn't want that to happen again to him and to us and so I didn't but I didn't feel like oh I just have to do this because I have to be strong for the two of us I just it felt like okay we're a team I'm able to do it myself right now and then at some point like I'll need him to tap in but I could do it now and and it was I actually in not, I mean, as much as you enjoy labor, like I was like, okay, I can do this on my own. So, it was kind of a good time to just be with myself and my baby and think about what was ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, Zach, he did bring me a birth ball around 10 p.m., and I used that. And 11 p.m., I tried to get some sleep. I couldn't get comfortable. I took a, a nap in between contractions, but they kept waking me up. And then from for until basically 4 p.m. they were five to twenty minutes, four p.m., four a.m. excuse me. They were uh five to twenty minutes apart. So I'd try to sleep on the floor, but every time a contraction hit, I, you know, had to move. I get up on my hands and knees. I felt like I just couldn't stay still during the contraction. And then at 4 a.m, I was like, okay, I need Zach, I need some help. And so he worked with me from four to five and um, did hip squeezes and Uh, was super sweet and encouraging. Then my doula, she, we called her at five and she arrived around 5.30. um, And she's like, okay, where are you feeling it? And I was pointing to my back and she said, let's get this baby off your back and did some spinning babies. And this really helped the back labor. I mean, it was still labor, but it was all in the front at that point, which was really helpful. And the contractions were more regular, still pretty far apart, like 10 minutes apart. And she said, All right, you know, you're at a good place. This is a little before eight. She said, I'm actually feeling really sick, by the way. And I was Aww. like, Oh. And she said, I called my backup doula just in case, but I just want you to know, you know, where I'm at. And I was like, Oh, no, Lauren. And she's like, Nope, not about me. Don't worry about me. Yeah. <laughs> I like, okay. But at 8 a.m., she left, and then within like half an hour, it was all in my back, and I was like, oh my gosh. And I wanted to call her back right away, but I also knew, I was like, she's sick, I don't know. And so, we waited a couple hours, and it actually ended up being a really sweet time for my husband and I, because we talked, and we prayed, and we cried, and we just talked about how different our life would be, and... And so I mean we had done that too before our son, our second son was born, but it felt like that was such a a special time to mm-hmm. talk it out. But I'm thankful for that. And then um 10 30, we call I did call my doula back and she said she um, she's gonna Tough it out, come over. And then the backup doula would be coming. But then she called me right back and said, Lindsay, I have a fever. I'm so sorry. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh no. So didn't want to expose me to a fever and the baby and ever, you know. So, yeah. um, we called the backup or the backup. She called, she took care of all that. The backup doula was going to be coming at 12 30. And I was like, oh gosh, I have to make it till 12 30. And then we also called. So my pastor's wife is, I found out like a week or two weeks before I went into the, uh, was giving birth that she's training to be a doula. And so I invited her to come.
0: That's awesome. I, and I,
2: I don't know her very well. And especially didn't know her very well at the time, but I told her, I was like, we're going to know each other really well. After this. Mm. Um, so she came. So we called her to come and it was nice. Cause she is not a birth worker, but it was really beautiful to like have her there. And she was helping my husband, like at some, a few different points and just like, Watching her like cry when the baby born, and I actually heard I'm jumping ahead here, but I heard my midwife kind of telling her, like, okay, this you know, and sh- giving her, um, tips and stuff, tips and stuff, yeah. And I don't that might bother some people, but I actually really maybe because I've been in school for so long myself that I liked hearing it too, so it was it ended up being a really beautiful thing. And she was like praying for us while everything was going on, so it was just a whole. House was so peaceful when so I had you know, backup doula ended up coming at 11 uh, 30. She came a little bit earlier, 11 30, and then I had pastor's wife. And then, and then when my midwife came, I just had the, I was I felt so surrounded by just loving, confident women and felt very safe. Um, and that's something that I really wanted to feel was just like I knew everyone there and felt really safe and that's what i felt and so at this point i was back in the shower when the doula arrived and then ashley is her name and i you know never met her before but I turned off the shower and i was like thank you for being here just naked sobbing and <laughs> hugged her and she said okay let's do some spinning babies and so we did a few things and then at 12 you know it wasn't even that long later i was like i gotta go back to the shower so I went back to the shower and things continue to build up. So I get out, the they called the midwife, and Ashley had kind of thought of a few things we could do with spinning babies. And the her and middle in the midwife were like immediately on the same page. We we're like, let's do the have Lindsay do the side and midwife was on her way. Let's have Lindsay do the sideline release. Yeah. And I was like, I nothing in me wants to get on the side of the bed. And then I looked at her and I said, I'm done. I, I got to go to the hospital. I need meds. I tried. I can't, I can't do it. And she was very, very kind, very, you know, acknowledged what I had to say and said, well, you know, what's, let's just try. <laughs>
0: this." <Yeah. laughs> and- it's such a hard thing as a doula because you're like, I know you want this and then you're saying this and I don't want to ignore you and not take you serious and then later have you feel not heard or respected I can only imagine but you can like see over you can see a different space and they can see and (laughs) yeah it's like it's a hard space to be in
2: right especially when you met them like an hour ago. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I can't even imagine. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. And I appreciated that she was validating me, but I was like, no, I got to (laughs) go. But then I was pacing the house in my diaper, you know, naked. And uh, Zach said I was walking around like a zombie. (laughs) And um, I thought in my, like the a little amount of me that could think reasonably was like, okay, if I have to go to the hospital, then I have to get checked in. And then I have, if I get checked in, then I have to mm-hmm. wait for an epidural because it's from the anesthesiologist. And, it. and then I have to be in the car to get to the hospital. And I was like, that's going to take so long. And it's like, okay, let's just try it. Yeah. And so I tried, I did three, through three contractions. And then she had me flip over to the other side. And as soon as I flipped over to the other side, my water, exploded (laughs) and i had i was had and you know wearing those diapers and it felt like the water filled the water filled up like a water balloon in my diaper and then burst to the floor i was like oh my gosh and i looked down and the water and it was green and Mm -hmm. i uh stood up and i was like ashley and i was you know hysterical and i was like it's not clear it's not clear and she's like i've been to a lot of births something that happens we'll talk to her midwife see what she has to say and then it really ramped up went to the uh back to the shower i remember i just turned it like ran to the shower and like turned it on and like when i got in it was cold and i was like oh ah, like just uh, the the water warmed up but um,
0: yeah but then shocking, I, to jump shocking it yeah, yeah cold
2: shower i was like gasping and uh then the water warmed up and I was started screaming and she really was helping me through the, through the, uh, contractions and was like, you know, keep it low. And, but and so sweet and now she did it. And I was like, just following her voice. And so really, you know, my husband at this point, he, when Jula was there, he was like, I'm going to let her help my wife. And I didn't feel like, where's my husband? I felt like, okay, this is good. Like, I'm glad that she's helping, Ashley's mm-hmm. helping me. And, um, and actually I found out later, like he went and cleaned up my water. So he's like, I have something to do and he cleaned it up. So then she reminded me, she's like, you know, or I had to mention this when I did want to go to the hospital. She reminded me when women get to this point, I know you've listened to a lot of birth education, listened mm-hmm. to a lot of podcasts, uh, cause my doula had full- filled her in. She said, "Do you know that this means you're really close?" And i and it just yeah. didn't feel real. I was like, "Yeah, but they were close. I don't think I'm close." <laughs> um, I just <laughs> felt like it was it's not possible. No. Mm-hmm. So then w- I did find this out later too, because Jennifer, my midwife, wasn't worried about the the water. She said the color of the water. Um, when it's bright green, usually means the baby's in distress. But when it's kind of like brown and murky, means the baby's just old, been in there for a while. Cause he was, again, he mm-hmm. was eight days past due day. So that, cause I asked her later, I was like, what, you know, why weren't you concerned about it? So she said that was why. And so it's good to know. Yeah, very uh, good. Yeah. And so then I get in the shower and then the, or I said I'm in the shower, you know, I had the bloody, I had the mucus plug come out, the bloody show. And then things are ramping up. Midwife gets here and they want me to get out and start to make a like a little grunt noise. And I was like, oh my gosh, should I actually just do that? And Ashley said, are you feeling pushy? And I said, I don't know. I think so, maybe. (laughs) Uh, And then the midwife arrives. Yeah, she arrived and she's like checking the water. And she said, the water is not warm enough because I had used all the hot water because they were filling up the tub and the water was gone. So, my husband was boiling water in the kitchen because there's a certain amount of temperature or certain threshold for the temperature it has to be. And I still didn't believe, even though I was, you know, making grunting noises, I didn't believe that I was going to give birth. I still thought I was like, mm-hmm. I'm going to have to go to the hospital. And uh, so they try to get me to sit on the toilet. And I, I mean, I can't, I was like, I just go to sit down and then I get back up. That I know the toilet's a dilation station. Right. And I'm like, Oh, I just get to it. But my midwife had put her hand when she arrived on my lower back she never did a cervical check put her hand on my lower back and um she said to my husband I found out later that it was probably a seven or eight when she got there and I asked her how she knew that and she said she will feel the tailbone like kind of push out and then the back of your butt crack is like a darker color I was like oh interesting so I am in the tub and they're adding the hot water and I am pushing and they don't have to coach me I just I'm doing it I'm they're encouraging me but they being my doula and midwife but I wasn't actually my body just knew how to do it which was so cool and um I had I did start to feel the ring of fire and which actually to me didn't feel that bad because I was
0: the, you know, the whole labor it didn't felt. For really me bad. either. I just felt
2: like a uh-huh.
0: whole ton of pressure. Like yes. I just remember pressure. I don't ever remember oh, the gosh, ring. Gosh. Like the full, full ring of fire. Like
2: maybe no. yeah. a little in it. My midwife said, wherever oh wait, I did forget one thing. I didn't want to forget this. So when I again when I was in I didn't think I could do it when I started getting into, I was pushing, I must have said something that I didn't I should ask my husband. And they I must have said something because my midwife said, she gave me a pep talk and she said, okay, would it help you if you felt your baby's head? Like a little bit of biofeedback and that, you know, as a dentist, we talk to patients about different things like biofeedback. So, I was like, yeah, that like connects with me. And she said, I was like, I don't know how to do it. She said, reach down and feel and then you'll feel something firm and squishy. It won't feel like you. I was like, mm-hmm. okay. And then I I did. And I was, I was like, Oh my gosh, he's there. And that was definitely a big motivator for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't do that with my first son they had offered. And I was like, Oh gosh, no, I don't want it. But I think it was very helpful. And cause there is a, there's mental hurdle to giving birth. I think VBAC moms have, extra. I don't want to say we have more of a mental uh, hurdle, but I think we do We <laughs> have extra,
0: extra, extra stuff. There's just, mm-hmm. and it's, It's not like, ah, we just do. (laughs) Yeah, do. And, you
2: know, so setting yourself up for success, you know, where if it be touching your baby's head, like that was my point where I had to have the cesarean was when I was pushing. So that pushed me through the threshold. And, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so, yeah. And because it was mental at that point, like the baby was coming. (laughs) I just had Mm -hmm. to like work with my body to do it. My husband has a funny memory of me when I was in the birth pool. I was holding both sides of the because there was like the sides of the tub, and I just I literally am like roaring, and I feel felt like I was roaring, and I was like, "Come on, my son's name is Finn." I was like, "Come on, Finn, let's get this over
0: with," (laughs) and just like yell like
2: roaring it out. And my my doula was standing right in front of me. He's like, "You're just yelling in her face." (laughs) (laughs) So it took me an hour to push, which sounds like a long, long time but didn't feel like a long time at all i held him and i cry and zach was crying and there's a like a the picture that i said is really cool because you could see my husband kind of tearing up in it and pastor's wife cried like everyone's gr- ashes cry you know except for our midwife she was like cracking jokes the whole time not um not in a like, uh, in respectful way, but she kept the mood really light, which Mm -hmm. I didn't notice because I was in labor land, but my husband said it was really nice. (laughs) It kept him, like, calm because she was so chill, and she said to, uh, she said to me later, actually, when I got in the bed that my son didn't cry right away, but she checked his, actually, have, like, my doula recorded it, and so I could hear her, and then she checked the pulse, in the cord and so she wasn't concerned that the baby didn't cry right away because she felt the pulse was really good
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: she's like in in the video she's like he's just um he's getting ready to take his first breath like really calm and then she said to me later she did do a little bit of suctioning which i was like yeah that's fine yeah i didn't have a problem with that but i say that because everything it felt everything was so considerate, all of the Mm -hmm. questions that were asked or that she did. And she wanted to let me know, like, I could have never known that she did sectioning ever. And then, but she wanted me to know. And I just thought that was really cool. Um, So I'm in bed and, or well, she kind of has me quickly get out of bed. I didn't think it was quick, but she we talked about in our kind of our debrief later, it was pretty quick because she saw that I was bleeding, but no placenta came out. So she wanted to figure out where it was coming from. And she had a really cool way of testing or trying to figure out what was going or trying to triage me without me knowing. At one mm. point, I did pick up on it because she... She asked, "She's like, are you feeling, you know, any pain in your arm?" And then I was like, "Oh, she's checking my heart. Like I know that from being a dentist." And yeah. um, just she would just ask kind of low key questions, but was actually trying to make sure everything was all right. And
0: yeah, my blood pressure. You feel like it?
2: Panic. She's like, "Okay, we're gonna check your blood pressure." And blood pressure was one hundred over forty. So, she said, all right, Lindsay, I'm thinking, let's, you know, let's start some IVs. And I said, okay, yeah, that's, I don't care. Do anything. I have my baby on my chest. Do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and she said, you have some bleeding. We're going to have you get the, uh, try to see where it's coming from, get the placenta out. The cord was, she had me try to push and I was like, I feel like I can't push it. I feel no urge to push it. And she said, all right, well, you know, I can try. And so she tried to pull it, but then the cord was feeling like I was going to separate. So she said, oh. okay, I'm not going to do that. And then she was, it actually, sorry, before, when they started the IV, she's like, I want, I would like to give you a shot of Pitocin. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, yeah, go for it. So she gave me a shot of yeah. Pitocin in my leg. And it turns out later, she was concerned about the bleeding. And she's like, I got to figure out where this com- is coming from. Then at that point, she, you know, had tried to pull it out, wasn't able to, so she said, okay, Lindsay, I need you to push this in out. And I was like, okay. So I pushed it out and um, she did evaluate for tear or she did. She said, I, I'm sorry. I have to be really mean and press on your abdomen. So she, I mean, like really got on there to make sure where the bleeding, the, I wasn't hemorrhaging or hemorrhaging, anything.
0: Yeah.
2: And um, she had the, the birth assistant was stuck in traffic. So he, she had just arrived at that point. And she, she was like, she had her check too. And she did find a small, tear first degree tear and that uh oh and i sorry i wasn't going to do this but i'm going to do this this one time so to step back in my story when i did feel that ring of fire uh she said uh, at that point she said okay where go down you know put your hand down there and where you're feeling the burning move the tissue out of the way so i think that that helped she she told me my prenatal w- visit she has women do that because she can try to feel or try to guess where they might tear, but when moms do it, it usually is really successful because they can feel it. Yeah, so I thought that was interesting. And, you know, I did have that first degree tear, um, but she said, you probably don't need a stitch, but I'd like to go ahead and do it because you have bled. Some
0: bleeding.
2: Um, And I said, yeah, fine. So we did it and it was a a venous tear. So that's why it ended up bleeding more. Uh, But bleeding stopped. We weighed the baby and... They did the tuck-in service, and um, my in-laws were in town. They actually, they are the best, and they were supposed to fly back to California that day because they came <laughs> two weeks early, or they came like a week before my due date and stayed a week past because we thought that baby would be born then, but he was, then yeah. they were flying out that day, and they canceled their flight and stayed because they, because um, I had gone into labor the night before they left, and so they were with our two-year-old, or well, he was, you know, one-and-a-half-year-old or whatever at the time, uh-huh. So they ended up, they're like, we're going to just get a hotel room and you guys hang out, which was nice to have that kind of time with just Zach and I and our new little baby boy. So, you know, I, after my age back, we were sitting on the bed with our second son and so, just so thankful. And I asked my husband how he's feeling and he, as I was curious about this experience, like, would it be different than the hospital? And, yeah, um, And he said he was feeling great, he felt like, in the hospital, he couldn't really do much. He tried, you know, especially no. The, the doula didn't take over, but he would try to support me later. But then he was like, well, what else do I do? And I feel like being at home, he put water in the tub and he cleaned up my water. And at one point he even said he put the dishes away. And um, he said, mm-hmm. and then that night in bed, he, he did have a little bit of shaking, but I think his just sympathetic nervous system was so ramped up that, I mean, that happens. we, Tell a story. So, I'm the specialty I'm getting into is pain, head and neck pain, oral facial pain is what it's called. And so, we have patients in with chronic pain and people that uh, have undergone like post traumatic stress or have TBI. Um, they, or I should say, have post traumatic stress disorder or TBI. They, um their sympathetic nervous system is like ramped up, and so the, it's designed, you know, like a zebra outrunning a lion. You'll see a zebra like shake after it's done, like shake it all out. But a zebra doesn't think, keep thinking about, like, oh, wait, what if that lion would have caught me? And what if, like, I would have lost the leg? And what, like, zebras, they just move on. But we as people, we're the ones that think about, like, oh, but what if? And then that, and then so that's what causes that sympathetic nervous system to keep staying on. And so, anyway, so he had a little bit of the shakes. And like, I was thinking through that. And one of the things we have patients do uh, for chronic pain patients, it can also help with anxiety and it can also help lower your blood pressure. And like, feel free to look this up and look into it. Cause there's a lot of evidence-based research on it is I've saying that to all listeners too, is um, it's called diaphragmatic breathing. And so highly recommend it just in general, it, you know, for any type of chronic pain, it's really helpful, but there's even been studies to show people lowering their blood pressure. So, I had, I was like, all right, honey, you know, we're in bed. I was like, we're going to do some diaphragmatic breathing. So it did some diaphragmatic breathing and it really helped him calm down. And what it does is it activates your vagus nerve, which is that fight or flight reflex uh, um, responsible, that nerve that innervates and starts up the fight or flight. So it helps activate your parasympathetic nervous system to calm your body down. And so that's what it did. It was, and it was awesome. Um, that. Yeah. And so, one more thing to go over after this, but kind of to show where we are now, I did go back to work and I've been, this is my second week back. So timely, very timely. Um, my husband did a full week by himself with the kids and not for, and lots of crying because my baby doesn't take a bottle during the day, which is another story and also stressful. Yeah. <laughs> um, We're working on it. And so the baby's been crying a lot and is hungry. And I've asked him and last night, I'm like, okay, I'm on the podcast tomorrow. So (laughs) let's give a full update. And he said, I have not felt any anxiety at all. And I was like, that is so awesome. And and I did, you know, right out kind of after the birth, we talked about it. And I was like, do you feel like you would have had this in the hospital? He's like, I don't know. I don't know if I would have, because... I would have here you know had the same smell same sights yeah. but he, he he and I both feel like the total change of environment was what was best for our family um and really helped to for my success in my age back and for him too I really do yeah. think it and I you know I would have gotten an epidural 100% if I was in the hospital and <laughs> I was so close and uh, so I just wonder like what that would have hindered me who knows you know you can't play those games it's you hard know, it's but...
0: hard to know it's hard mm-hmm. to know but you know knowing that because i i believe that if i were in the hospital for the second this is not to say anything bad about hospital birth no just,
2: no definitely not
0: i probably would have got an epidural too and i do believe i would have probably had a third cesarean mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. it's like so hard to know like i am curious yeah like, maybe not maybe you know i have no idea right yeah um, no absolutely yeah. Oh, um
2: So, one of the, I have, like, one last little thing I want to go over. Yeah, yeah. Um, Thank you. So, one of the key components I think was missing from my first birth was uh, education. So, I, at every, almost every prenatal appointment, my midwife would say, any questions? And almost every single time, I didn't. I um, I guess, you know, I trusted her and Mm -hmm. I not that you shouldn't trust your providers, right? Like that, but I just, right. I didn't kind of even know what to ask. And um, so that's why I recommend your podcast the first time moms too, because then you know what to ask. And um, yes, I did some reading, you know, I definitely did some reading and I did at the hospital birth class. I did a class with our doula too, birth class with our first doula, but I did so much more the second time around. And yeah, so my point is like finding definitely finding a provider you can trust and you could feel mm-hmm. like you can ask those questions or who will even maybe prompt you and what questions to ask is so yeah. helpful.
0: Because
2: yeah. being informed as a patient, you know, that's what, like, I strive to build that rapport and trust with my patients every time. But I, and I tell them this, like, we're working together as a team and I want you to you know do your own research and I want to work with you to determine the best plan for you because when you feel empowered and informed you have better outcomes and then yeah then because I really felt like birth happened to me the first time around and then second time I was actively a part of my birth um, which is really a powerful thing Um, so I
0: did very 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 powerful but that's sort of something i was going to say is even if it doesn't go the way we want even if it doesn't go the way that you want be a driver in the driver's yep. seat oh Absolutely. you know like we know baby and birth like things go certain ways and everything but still like yep you can still be you know feel in. Mm-hmm, empowered. yeah thank
2: you for saying that i actually had that thought to say share that too because yeah and i you know it may birth is crazy, and you never you never it's gonna know go, yeah. what's going to happen. But you you would know, like okay, I put, I did all the research beforehand, and I can rest in that fact that it's okay. Like that, yes. I we made a best decision at the time given the information that we had. Absolutely. So I did make. I'm going to just read if it's okay a quick list because I yes. am a list person, and I listened to all of your feedback links and. Um, I gathered like my own list and everyone's list of like well, how to have a back might look different, but this yes. this is this is my oh, list. I love it. I love um, it. List person for all you guys out there. Yeah. So I did listen to as many birth stories as possible, and if I was started sooner, I would have listened to even more. But I did number one spotify in 2022 was v i listened to uh 206 episodes i yeah. know the, there's almost all of the 206 episodes at the time almost all not quite um and i did learn things like the risks and benefits of pitocin what the labor shakes were uh a how, to, how to, having a tight pelvic floor can prevent baby from descending how important movement is in labor coach pushing pushing versus self-directed pushing I learned a lot about breath work. There's a really good YouTube video by Bridget Taylor that my doula mm-hmm. uh, told me about Bridget's awesome. Yeah. And then your podcast, too talked about breathing too, the low tones being so important. Didn't know that the first time around. And I saw, I did see a chiropractor um, for a week for the majority of pregnancies starting really in the second trimester. When we moved here, we, I couldn't find a Webster based chiropractor in my area, but, uh, I saw a corporate practice called the Joint, and the woman there was trained in Webster. She just wasn't certified because she doesn't pay an annual fee, I guess, to get the certification. So, Mm -hmm. something think about there. And then um, I did drink the tea, the red raspberry leaf tea, and eat the medjool dates. Thirty-seven weeks, Um, spinning babies exercises. I started that three to five days a week. I didn't do as many intense workouts as I did with my uh, first son. I really did a lot of walking, partially because I had so many braxton hicks, and partially because of hearing. You know, sometimes really having a tight pelvic floor can prevent the baby from descending. Mm-hmm. And hydrotherapy, I did and so much of that during labor. I squeezed a comb for yes, through every single comb. contraction. The comb. Yeah. And the comb was the comb that we brought home from my uh, first birth for the thing of youth hospital. So it was kind of like poetic. And the, by the end, the comb was like very destroyed <laughs> from all my squeezing. Yep. And then I wrote down, I did write down all my fears and emotions um, with the birth, kind of boiled it down to three that I was feeling. And I told my doula and my midwife about them. So I was like, you know, in case I'm stalled on labor, mm-hmm. I just want you to yeah. know. And then I tried to really, through the, the you know the fear, pain, tension, pain cycle, to not give in to the fear through every contraction. Like I turned that into prayer. Like this, every contraction is helping my body to move down my baby, and the um, to work with that. Even though, like I remember my first with the in pitocin. I would say that pitocin contractions were worse than natural contractions. But I do remember, like I was bracing everyone, like "Oh no, another one's coming!" And I didn't, you know, I'd fight every contraction, and and so it, I, it was so hard. But I did, I tried to like just work with my body instead of push them mm-hmm. away, and then move, moving every fifteen minutes, to try to do a new position um, in yeah. labor
0: such yeah. a powerful list right there
2: yeah oh thank you yeah hopefully that if someone like you're like oh my age, my my back might be tomorrow maybe they listen to this episode and they got some
0: yes. <laughs> tips at the end
2: there for the final hour
0: yes the final hour <laughs> the final countdown <laughs> yeah, i love it thank you so much and huge congrats thank you, thank you. congrats what a crazy journey you know to go from like moving and finding new providers and changing and then even even changing doulas in the very end i mean you had (laughs) change up (laughs) until the very end
2: the very end yeah. i didn't even think about that that's true (laughs)
0: yeah you really did so (laughs) awesome and i'm so happy to hear that everything is going well right now and your is doing better and yeah
2: thank you yeah no it's really good Really, really good. Thank you so much. And yes. I'm just so honored to be here and to see you face to face and just thank you for all that you do. Thank yeah. you,
0: Lex.
1: would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Tell us about your experience at the com slash share. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog and Julian Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the Vbacklink.